You're listening to the Sales Process Excellence Podcast with Michael Webb. Some people like to focus on marketing and accessing senior level decision makers and selling value. Other people focus on data and analyzing with statistics to find cause and effect. On this podcast, we focus on both in order to create wealth for everyone. My name is Michael Webb. This is the Sales Process Excellence Podcast, and I'm, I'm excited today to have uh, a guest, Andrea Fabria, of um, its, its uh, brand business is your website. Is that right, Andrea? Branding business. Branding business. Okay, because please tell us uh, what your company does and a little bit about how you got to where you are. All right. Well, first of all, uh, thanks, Michael. Um, I am the managing director of Branding Business New York. Branding Business is a brand strategy uh, consultancy dedicated exclusively to building uh, B2B brands. Uh, we have two core principles as we build brands for our clients around the world, and those are evidence-based thinking. We're all about facts and insights, but also about courageous ideas. Great brands are never formulaic. Uh, they always contain a certain level of uniqueness, and that always needs to some extent, some courage, and I can expand on that. But, uh, um, and, you know, we work with uh, exclusively B2B brands from uh, technology, industrial, financial, uh, healthcare sectors, to mention a few. Um, mm. And we covered the spectrum from uh, startups that need to grow to companies uh, that uh, there are on a tipping point and have a great opportunity to be leaders in the marketplace to companies that need to be repositioned because their values is um, being challenged or uh, oftentimes, and I do a lot of that work, companies that come together through mergers and acquisitions or mm. spin-offs. Okay. So mm, I have a, a number of questions here I want to ask, but before uh, we get there, I mean, what experience did you have that put you on the doorstep of saying, I'm going to do this and, and start a successful consultancy around it? Oh, um, well, it goes back to 1998. I used to work for a company called Intelsat. It's the world's largest satellite communications provider. Mm -hmm. It used to be at the time an international organization, just like the UN. Um, mm -hmm. It was created in 1964 by JFK and other leaders from 11 nations. At the time, in 1998-99, was 145 member nations. And uh, at the time, the company decided that it was time to privatize, to become a private company, therefore um, completely changing its identity, um, who they were. And that was happening because they had to uh, face some uh, market challenges um, that were uh, necessary, that had to be addressed. And to that, being a private company was essential. So at that time, I was a senior marketing manager in the department, and I started thinking about the issue, uh, how do I transform the company, um, you know, reputation from uh, a UN-like organization to a private company? How do I move the salespeople that have been so far accustomed to receiving orders from companies around the world to actually become sales hunters? How mm -hmm. do I transform the culture that has been always about engineering excellence to one that now it's about uh, that as well as marketing excellence, as mm. well as other things. 
And suddenly the topic of branding came about. I started digging um, and I uh, presented a plan to my CEO and uh, the plan was approved. And that's where my journey began. And uh, in the following six years that I was there, I launched the company in 2001 as a private brand in uh, 200 countries and 18 languages. I did IPOs, mergers, acquisitions, product launches in around the world. And, um, and then after 2007, I thought, well, I can actually do this, um, leverage this experience and, and, uh, and do it mm. for many other companies. And so that's when I created my own wow. firm. And then I got to branding business. Ah, okay. Boy, talk about a baptism of fire. Yes. So, <laughs> you can so say I, that. <laughs> I, I used to work uh, at an engineering firm. And I remember the uh, our uh, uh, head of electrical uh, engineering, really, really smart guy. They called him Barney. And, and his idea of marketing was it's a black hole that you throw money in. And a lot <laughs> of people, I think, in, from a... From a especially technical and engineering kind of backgrounds can feel that way because marketing is such a vague, you know, term. It's hard to know what it actually means. And if marketing is a vague term, branding is even worse. <laughs> so I'm going to challenge you right off the bat here and say, um, you know, what is branding and, you know, what's the difference between branding and marketing and yep. like, yep. Well, uh, you know, going start, starting from where you started, um, a product doesn't sell itself, uh, so it needs a set, of, a set of activities and people to do so. Well, now, wait a minute. So, Didn't an iPhone sell itself? <laughs> not really. So uh, marketing and branding act like yin-yang, if I can use that metaphor. But, you know, marketing is the management of building a market for a product. Uh, driving demand for a product that a specific company sells. So driving demand for a company, you know, depending on what it is. It, it entails managing pricing, the design of a product, the distribution, defining the proposition, understanding the market, and managing and defining the brand. The brand is a tool, is a means to an end, because branding is essentially perceptual marketing. It allows to define what you want customers, the market, mm -hmm to think and feel about a company when that customer experiences the company's value through its offerings, its people, and its communications. So it is about figuring out the strategy uh, that can create the feelings and thoughts based on a complete experience that the customer has with a company. So it's not about a product. It's not about a feature. It's not about uh, a, an ad. It's about the management of all these things that need to be though communicating a certain ideas and feelings so that those ideas and feelings then achieve two goals. Because ultimately, the goal is to, to build brand value, brand equity, you know, which merely means build meaning. So the goal of branding is to increase perceptual value because obviously the, the higher it is, the more, the stronger is the propensity to for a customer to choose a company's product, you know, or a company. And therefore, the business goal of branding is to drive preference and selection. And in fact, when we conduct discovery analysis and process, uh, um, you know, for customers uh, that experience uh, branding issues or marketing issues, we always do and start from a quantitative assessment that allows us to understand the gap that exists between a company's awareness or a product's awareness 
and the, the willingness to buy. The broader the gap, the less a, a brand can affect, that is effective at driving preference and therefore at supporting sales. The shorter the gap, it means that the brand has an incredible amount of power and it makes selling a lot more easy. Hmm. Well, so you just nailed the last question, I guess, because my I was going to go and ask the follow-up question about how does sales fit in? And I think your point is that it makes sales easier by essentially framing framing the value, framing the sale, framing the customer's perspective. Is, is that correct? Yeah. Uh, absolutely. I mean, um, uh, look, I am the first one, actually, particularly, again, our focus is B2B, um, to not only appreciate, but to value enormously uh, salespeople. Uh, the first thing I do, we do in our firm, in any projects that we work with, is to interview salespeople. Um, because uh, the salespeople are um, the, uh, you know, the, the Front and center, they manage the relationship between the actual human relationship between the company and, and the customers. They are the human interface. They are exposed to markets issues, challenges. They understand what is the reaction firsthand of a company's, uh, uh, of a company vis-a-vis -vis a product and offering. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, but sales uh, it, it uh, for branding to be useful to salespeople, sales organizations need to understand brand strategy, and they need to be empowered with tools and means that allows them to benefit from the value that a brand strategy provides. So that's why in any projects that we do that focuses on branding, and as I said, we work with a large, large B2B companies around the world, part of our process is a fairly extensive training of the sales organization about the brand strategy that we just developed. Because if all we do is develop a strategy that ends up being seen just as a tagline and a bunch of ads, salespeople continue with their strategy and nothing really changes. Right. So for, <laughs> yeah. So for, for a brand strategy to be absolutely successful or impactful in the sales organization, um, sales organization needs to be trained um, and needs to understand what this brand strategy is all about. And by the way, when I say tools and means, I don't just mean fact sheets. I mean, oftentimes, we need to retrain how they explain a product, how they present a company. We need to empower them with stories, with facts, um, new means that allows them to truly really understand not just the rational side of a strategy, but more importantly, in my mind anyway, the emotional strategy. Um, in a B2B world, that relationship is not, you know, B2B companies don't sell a toothpaste. They sell oftentimes um, very expensive solutions. Mm -hmm. So the, the value of the personal relationship is essential, which is why I said at the beginning, a brand is what you want people to think and feel based on uh, communications, products, and people. And in that equation, salespeople are essential. So um, obviously you have a, uh, a framework that, that tells you uh, what to look for, how to make a diagnosis, and then what are the components uh, to implement successfully. But all this has to be based on evidence, which is why I'm interviewing you. <laughs> those are the kind of people that I'm looking for out in the market. So how, especially in those big old complex, complex organizations, 
how how do you help the client determine if they have a brand problem, a marketing problem, a product problem, a sales problem, a service problem? I mean, what evidence tells you those things? Yeah, and can you um, give us some examples? Yeah, that's that's a that's a great question. So, um, as I said earlier, right? So if the brand is and the value that a brand has is the result of the entire holistic experience that a customer has with their company, then it goes without saying that essential to building strong brands is conducting a fairly extensive assessment of a variety of areas. When we do our, um, when we follow our methodology, we get into many, many, many areas. Um, we look at um, product uh, development and, uh, and product strategy. And uh, we look at existing products. We looked at existing communications. We look at sales areas. We look at pricing. We look at systems and processes. We look at culture. We look at market segmentation. And out of this analysis, which is both qualitative and quantitative, we emerge with a, um, a picture of the gaps and the opportunities. And for the opportunities, and this is where the evidence base lies, we, um, we use a, a proprietary methodology that we developed um, called the Brand Performance Platform that allows us to map the market and understand the brand, the, the new opportunity in the marketplace hmm. for the brand based on customer segments, needs, and wants, and trends. So this is a dynamic market map that allows us to understand what's the state of things today, but how are they evolving, and how should the brand move accordingly to gain the greatest strength and therefore serve the best, the, me, the, the goals of the business. This is all done through quantitative, uh, very complicated statistical um, you know, uh, analysis. But what that does is that when we go back and present the data to executive management, it is not about my opinion or my colleague's opinion. It's about the data. The data removes personal biases, one of the greatest threats that any organization faces to a changing and evolving, because change is part of life and part of business, is to be stuck into, I don't believe that, or my personal view is. It's about eliminating the personal biases and understanding what are the options based on data. And, and we do that a lot. And, okay. and uh, yes, go ahead. So, so this. Uh, let me ask a couple questions around that um, that market map and that um, sort of proprietary model uh, that you built. I'm working with a client right now that is penetrating sort of a new market for them, which is selling into um, the commercial building space. Um, they have a product that goes as part of an HVAC system for like hospitals and data centers and and the company has never sold into that space before. And when I worked with them, we, we did a, a, a customer journey map. Turns out there's like six different customers because it's a very complicated, uh, full of channels kind of market. You have the building owners, you have architects, you have engineering firms, you have contractors, you have independent representatives that sell to the contractors. 
you know, it's just chock full of all these different um, players and the product may well and information certainly does travel through all the, you know, all those different kinds of people and multiple different people inside those organizations. So is that what you mean by a market map that it identifies all those constituencies that play a role? Yes, uh, we do that. And um, it's uh, fairly complicated to explain through uh, just a broadcast, uh, a podcast because mm -hmm. um, it really visually, if you could see it, is much more, it becomes much more clear more quickly. <laughs> but mm -hmm. um, what we do is um, we, we take a product or a company and we look at all the markets the company wants to, in your case, in the market that it wants to penetrate. And then we conduct quantitative surveys that allow us to understand, to answer one question, what kind of brand does this company need to be in order to be successful in that market? And obviously, the markets, and, and you were talking about, you know, markets has different buyers. Right? Each buyer will have certain things that are different, but there are going to be some commonalities. And we're looking first and foremost for a common shared of attributes that mm -hmm. can inform the brand. We then use the, the knowledge gathered to articulate that brand into a series of custom-tailored messaging platforms that allows then salespeople to explain the brand in a way that resonates with that specific audience. You know, mm -hmm. GE is about imagination at work, whether you are looking at healthcare or nuclear reactors. But obviously, how GE sells healthcare is, needless to say, a little different than selling a nuclear reactor. Right, right. Um, so, but we need to understand both so that salespeople can be empowered with the knowledge that Dendo is connected to how the company needs to be positioned, therefore seen, perceived, and experienced. The key is to make that connection. Um, and, uh, you know, the, one of the things that we always do in addition to training uh, salespeople is to build a brand roadmap. A brand, when you are in a, entering a new market, let's say, for example, you need to develop a brand strategy the, which defines how do you want to be seen and perceived and experienced in that market. But with them, what we do is, based on all the knowledge that we gather about the organization, the culture, the processes, the systems, and, and, and you go on, we develop a brand roadmap. We identify um, a set of internal and external core strategic activities that the company has to focus on in order for their brand promise to be a reality. So, for example, we are working right now with a credit union. And the credit union uh, positioning is, without saying the name, focused on innovation. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, a, a, a contingent upon that promise to be true is the credit, union's, uh, 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 ha the credit union has to simplify its processes has to become a lot more easy to work with. So we define the brand uh, that um, it works almost like a flag, uh, a destination, and then we develop an operational roadmap that allows organization to get there. Now, the beauty of this approach, that is a CMO working with the CEO and the CTO now have a common plan that is an agreed upon plan, and they all can uh, you know, as they say, uh, sing from the same music sheet versus trying to have e uh, versus trying each departmental area try uh, having its own plan. Because one of the biggest issues that we always encounter is a fragmented, siloed world in in, in companies. That yeah, is a, inside the company. Yeah, yeah. Inside the company. So the only way is 
evidence makes them agree about the future. A roadmap makes them agree about what to do to get to that future. And then we remain and work with them as a strategic advisor um, and making sure that things get done. And by the way, um, that's oftentimes, almost every time, we then bring in partners. Um, uh, you know, we have a lot of capabilities, but we cannot be an expert at everything, nor we want to. But we do know experts in other areas. So depending on what the issues are, um, we bring in other partners, but they're all working within the framework. And of course, we look at things, how they go, we check, we measure, we change, and we make adjustments because that is the right thing to do. Well, okay. So, I mean, what are in the, in the, you know, lean world, the OPEX world, uh, goes without saying we want to, we want to do little experiments, small experiments. Um, I remember working for a company that decided that it wanted to be the tinker toy set of factory automation. And it, it wasn't that before. So then they made some big bets and on product developments and acquisitions and launched into it. And it didn't work that well over time. And the CEO ended up losing his job. He ended up leaving. And another one came in and there were layoffs and stuff like that. So uh, to avoid that, you have to do low risk experiments. I mean, it sounds like what you're talking about, particularly with, you know, the brand idea, it's a, a strategy that integrates uh, a lot of the operations of the company. There could be big changes required. So yes. how do you mitigate the risk of betting the farm like that? What low-risk experiments have you seen companies do that can sort of cleverly eliminate the risks of the bigger changes? Well, that is a billion-dollar question. <laughs> um, any decision, any choice brings with it risks. Um, I would say that to answer your question, one would have to the, differentiate between, uh, let's say, a product versus a company. I think um, low-risk experiments or uh, approaches that test different things um, can be much more, uh, and, and see what is the best option, can be much more easily done and very cost-effectively when it's about a specific product. When it's about a corporate brand, uh, that becomes a lot more difficult. However, what we do, um, you know, when uh, we present the data and the data says that a company has to move its brand, for example, in a specific direction, uh, we then test that idea. Uh, we develop the strategy, the thinking, the feelings, the emotions, and then we conduct testing um, to make sure that um, the idea is indeed valid. And in fact, oftentimes, um, let's say, for example, for messaging platform, we develop different messaging platform and we test them. We develop different positioning statements and we test them. And then we emerge with the one version or one option that is more likely to succeed in the marketplace. But we also understand why. But there lies the challenge. Eventually, uh, eventually it is about, um, it is about uh, making a decision and having the, the leadership uh, necessary 
to commit to that decision. Uh, the roadmap allows to manage that risk. Um, the rope that I was mentioning earlier, mm-hmm. um, because um, you know, as you do things, uh, it allows you to prioritize things. It allows you to, um, uh, you know, to prioritize and then to measure how things are being received. Uh, so uh, there are all kinds of different um, techniques that can be leveraged to diminish the risk, but risk is part of business. Um, okay, so you're, what you're describing there is sort of a collaborative relationship uh, with the client to find um, some experiments to try to kind of test out parts of the roadmap or to prove the case in order to gain more cooperation from various people in the organization. It's a, it's a relationship over time where you're collaborating with them to find the right path is what it sounds like. That's exactly it. As long as there is commitment about the big idea, uh, which uh, underlines any positioning, uh, then um, there can be some deviations about how the company gets there. But ultimately, uh, the destination was correct. And let me give you an example. Uh, One of our clients is Elsevier, one of the the world's largest publisher of scientific information. Mm -hmm. It was established in uh, 1500, and they published the Galileo's first book. So that gives you an idea of how ancient this company is. Well, um, needless to say, the company uh, had to rethink itself in the digital world. You know, how can they maintain, um, uh, how can they move and evolve and and, and, uh, move their success in uh, in, in the digital world building on the success that they achieved in the physical world, world of papers. Well, we established a brand strategy for them and uh, underpinning the strategy was for them to become the Google of scientific information. Hmm. Um, that was the big idea. They committed to the big idea because we had done a lot of analysis and a lot of thinking um, and a lot of testing as well. Now, over the course of the time, we have been working out with them for six, seven years. Um, there have been a lot of um, course corrections. We did develop the roadmap. They committed to the roadmap. But obviously, as you implement things, you learn things. And as you learn, you might have to adjust things. As long as though they are um, coherent and, in, and, and sorry, aligned with the big idea, then um, things, are in, in, you know, things are okay. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. That was a good story. Um, all right. So in your experience, this will be like a, 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 a last question, and then we'll um, see how our uh, listeners can, can get a hold of you. But, I mean, you're talking about an environment where it could be generating changes of behavior of, of lots of people, and that's a, that's a challenge for any um, organization. So in your experience, how many companies uh, really understand how to make those changes, how to, how to create improvement? Yeah. Well, uh, you go to a topic really dear to my heart, and that is change management. I think one of the most underestimated and yet important activities for any brand strategy and any marketing, particularly uh, when uh, branding and marketing are requiring a shift of the company, you know, uh, to, to be a different kind of company in the marketplace. Key to success 
of any transformation, of any evolution, is change management. Is the ability to allow and help the company, excuse me, to help the company to uh, uh, manage change. If a new brand requires the company to the culture to be innovative, that's change management. If a new brand strategy requires the company to improve its ease of business, that means changing systems and processes. That's change management. Um, so we, uh, a branding business, we embed change management in our methodology, particularly for B2B companies where there are um, elements of rigidities that sometimes that need to be accounted for. Um, so how many companies understand that? In my, op- in my view, very few, um, at least in my experience. Uh, and in fact, uh, they appreciate our uh, value because we make them realize, I think, the importance of change management. Um, if you don't embed the changes that a brand strategy requires in order for the company to be successful in the marketplace, if you don't embed, it, embed them in the company, no strategy will be successful. Um, it, it's, it, it, it's what it is. And that, by the way, starts from the top management. Um, uh, that's why I always joke. Uh, that my title should be a corp- is a corporate therapist hmm. um, because that's really, I would say, half of 60% of my job is leading companies through change. The data helps, the great ideas, when they see the creative ideas, they embrace it. But that's, these are, that's, no, that's just the beginning. How do I move a culture to embrace an idea? How do I move the market to only not embrace a new brand, a new strategy, but to get excited and therefore to choose that company. All of that is change management. Okay, so when, and let's just bring this down to something uh, specific here and concrete. When you say uh, change management uh, and, and I, or creating, uh, I'm equating that with creating improvement and that, and I'm equating that with uh, Deming's management cycle, right? Plan, do, check, act, or plan, do, study, act. Yeah. Is that what you mean by change management? Uh, I mean that, and absolutely, and uh, and any other technique that can be leveraged to convince people um, and to study, uh, to check on things, and to commit to a path of continuous improvement towards the direction that is set by the brand strategy. Um, mm-hmm. So I know that there is a PDCA, PDSA, you know, uh, the reason it's like the egg and the chicken, you know, um, uh, you know, each company, uh, my experience, they tend to do both. Um, but, um, and sometimes I don't even call it that way. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it, it's, it's all about um, uh, identifying things, monitoring things, um, diagnosing what's happening. Um, that's why I love talking to salespeople. When we develop a brand strategy and we roll it to the marketplace, the first thing I do is monitoring what's happening on social media, and but also talking to sales. Uh, I, we personally go to trade shows because we want to see, uh, particularly for the big global, global projects, what is the reaction on the floor? How are salespeople engaging? You know, so we, con- we, we do all kinds of, uh, uh, leverage all kinds of techniques to help the company change and the degree of change that is required for the company to leave the new brand strategy then determines which technique and which approach we take. Hmm. Super. 
Well, this is uh, this is uh, really great. I really appreciate you taking some time and, and telling us about some of the work uh, that you've done. I'm sure that there are going to be uh, some people in the audience who'd like to learn more. Uh, how I mean, how can someone get a hold of you? Is there something that uh, lets them uh, find out more about your approaches uh, and so forth? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, first things first, uh, the website of my company. It's uh, brandingbusiness.com. So it's pretty easy to, uh, to remember. Um, and there, I think, uh, you know, we have all kinds of uh, uh, information through which the, I can be contacted directly. Super. All right. Well, this was fun. I really appreciate it. And I, I'm pretty sure that there's some uh, meaty topics that are sort of subtopics of this um, that might be worth uh, talking about. Would it be, uh, I'm going to invite you back to pick up some of those and, and uh, take them apart and talk about some more examples. Would, you, would that be a, a something we could do? Absolutely. We'll be happy to. Great. All right. Well, Andrea, thank you very much. And uh, um, good luck and uh, good selling. Thank you. Pleasure talking to you. The Sales Process Excellence Podcast is sponsored by Sales Performance Consultants. Discover how to improve your B2B sales with systems thinking at salesperformance.com.